0: Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val
1: and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45
0: years of experience in children's ministry.
1: I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister.
0: Welcome, friends. Thank you so much for joining our conversation today. How are you doing, Dr. Virginia?
1: Good. How are you? Excited to have a guest with us today. Excited to have... We are. We have our first guest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we have... Pastor Ray, Dr. Ray Summerlin, um, who's going to be here, who is known as the recruiting extraordinaire, the delegating extraordinaire. Um, he's going to be here today sharing um, how we recruit key leaders, how we delegate to them, how we hold our key leaders accountable. So, just a lot about um, putting in place key leaders in our ministry. So, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, Pastor Ray? Dr. Ray.
2: Yeah. Well, I start off with, uh, you know, I was born in Rota, Spain, Uh, grew up in a military family. My dad was a Marine officer um, and um, for over 30 years. And uh, so I grew up in that environment. I grew up with a Marine infantry officer uh, leading me and teaching me my best man in my wedding uh, when Beth and I got married 36 years ago. And so got learned a lot from my family, grew up in a Christian home. Uh, trusted Christ at twelve, and then later got the call to ministry after several tours in the Marine Corps, and uh, was kind of scary and wasn't something I was planning on. And uh, planned on being a Marine officer for years, and uh, surrendered to the ministry. Ended up going to Southeastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, where Doctor Virginia got her her doctorate degree. I got my master's and later my doctorate from there, and then said I would never be a Navy chaplain, and uh, for many reasons. and uh, <laughs> for all the other reasons is why I became a Navy chaplain. So I was able to learn some other things uh, in my time as a chaplain for 14 years on top of my 12 years in the Marine Corps. And uh, in between, after that, I've I've been retired over 10 years. I've served in local churches, uh, did in and out of the Marine Corps and the Navy years ago. I think I've served in five different churches, mostly education, administration roles. And I've been a vice president at a Semin- at a university, and also served as a recruiting officer at seminary. So that's my background. I have a lot of recruiting background, a lot of leadership background, and so all that um, is um, my life learning lessons. And so I've been able to put all that education, all the experience together. And uh, today, I just um, also I did my doctoral work, uh, which um, doctoral work as Virginia knows and. Um, and personality typing. So I use that very much. So, mm-hmm. and my, um, recruiting efforts and re- delegating, understanding people's personality type is uh, very, uh, key to, for me and my leadership and how I, how I work a team, how I lead and how I recruit uh, people most definitely. I've
0: oh, wow. been awesome. married to Beth
2: for 36 years, have three adult children. Uh, they're all married, um, and have two granddaughters. And so, uh, that is a little bit about, about me now. I, I currently serve as an interim executive pastor at a church I served at before, and uh, that's been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of uh, neat experiences, and uh, there was a need there, and they asked me to come help them, and so I've been doing that, and uh, that's been a been a great joy.
0: I'm excited, Pastor Ray, that you're with us today because actually in one of our last episodes, we were talking about how many children's ministers know how to work with children and they know about education for children and and games for children and all of that. But a huge part of a children's minister's job is administration. It's recruiting volunteers, training volunteers. And so I'm really excited that you're joining us today because I'm excited about being able to sort of glean more information from you for the people that are following us to be able to hear some suggestions and ideas on better ways to find and develop leadership, because that's something that we're not always prepared to do when we walk into children's ministry.
2: Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, You know, one of the things I think, of first of all, it's an an analogy. Um, I coached uh, over 50 some sports teams in my life. Uh, I was a phys ed major in undergraduate school. And um, one of the things I learned early on in coaching little league was, there's, there's three things you have to know. And, and most people just think there's two. Um, they think you have to work well with children. You have to understand their cognitive abilities, and then you have to know, um, a, you know, the sport that you're, you're coaching. And if they know the children and they know the sport, they think this is easy. Well, my philosophy is the first thing you need to know is you need to know how to work with adults. You need to know how to lead adults. You need to know how to recruit adults and you need to, know how to hold them accountable, that being their parents. If you can do that and you know a little bit about baseball or soccer and you know a little bit about children, you'll be much more successful in little league sports is knowing how to lead, direct, and delegate those parents to get them involved in the process. And so that's just a simple analogy I used. I learned years ago, I had a little checklist. Every time I coached a sports team, I changed the name and I went right down this little checklist to get all the parents involved. And uh, from a snack lady to a year, year, year in party person to a team mm-hmm. mom to someone ordering the jerseys, someone um, helping me score keep, I had a list of about 12 tasks. So I had a parent that had everything, every one of them had some way to be involved in the team. So that's very similar to children's ministry as well. You've got to, mm-hmm. um, they're going to love the children in most cases, uh, but they're, a lot of times they're not going to understand how to recruit leaders and how to, mm-hmm. how to identify those leaders. So I'm, I'm sure that's where you guys want to springboard and ask me some questions in that area.
1: Yeah. I mean, the very first question. So how do you find and recruit those key leaders um, to whom we can delegate some responsibility? How do we find those people?
2: Well, you start within, you know, you start with who you have already. Um, you often, um, at a previous church, um, Virginia and I served at, there was a, there was a key leader that I got there and they were wonderful Sunday school teachers, but I noticed that they work really well together. And whenever you have a couple Sunday school teacher in grade school ages, there's always one or the other that takes the lead. Well, I noticed that they were both involved, both the man and the, and the wife were, were intricately involved in teaching those, those um, children. And so I thought, well, maybe they would be great directors, but they had been teaching for like 15 years. And so I just, sat down with them and had a meeting and told them what the need was and said, would y'all consider being directors? Cause they could equip the leaders because you're often bringing in new people that are teaching Sunday school. And uh, so you can use them as lay leaders to teach. This is how I taught. This is how we organize. This is how we kept the role. And then if you can get someone like that for a children's minister or a preschool minister, someone that's a solid lay leader director, and then you can work with that. And it really takes a burden off the children's minister um, when you have someone like that in leadership roles. So you want to identify multiple folks uh, from from Awana to missions uh, to your preschool nursery coordinator. You've got to find those leaders that have maybe come from within the system. They, they may be more valuable in a leadership position. But then also I have found sometimes you can go completely outside the ministry um, When I was at one church, when I first retired from the military over 10 years ago, um, I got to know this one couple, and this one lady was a principal uh, at a school, and I noticed her administrative gifts. I noticed she was great at communicating with people because she was a principal, so she knew how to do conflict resolution, conflict management. She knew how to communicate. She had a pleasant personality, but she also was was a leader personality. I knew her personality type. I knew a little bit about her. So I brought her in with her husband and I asked, would you consider being my preschool Sunday school director? And she said, um, no, I don't like preschoolers. That's why I only had one child <laughs> <laughs> and said, you know, that's why she's you know, older now and we're only having one. So you've got the wrong person and gets kind of grabs the, the handles on the on the chair in my office and said, is that all you needed? Because this isn't going to work. And I said, no, ma'am, have a seat. Sit back and relax. I've got some more discussion with her. And I told her. I said, I don't need you as the preschool Sunday school director to work with the preschoolers. Right. I need you to be able to lead adults. And her husband goes, well, she can do that. And I <laughs> said, well, that's why she's sitting here right now, brother. And so I got her involved and she committed to doing it. And she ended up doing it two years. I asked her for a one-year commitment, which you try not to ask for too long of a commitment. That's very important. I think y'all discussed that in your previous um, previous show. But yeah. so I asked her to commit for a year and she ended up doing it two years. And she was absolutely wonderful. We had to change some some attitudes and some policies and some ways of doing things. And so she was a total fresh look. And she walked in that preschool Sunday school uh, and Sunday school was running 50 to 70 preschoolers and teachers. And she was able to turn it upside down, get it accountable. And they, they loved her. The teachers loved her. The parents loved her. And so you can recruit from within your ministry. And then you can also, sometimes you can find someone totally unassociated with preschool and children's ministry Um, especially in a leadership role or administrative role that can help you. Um, And you can find it, you can find it effective in both ways. It's almost like recruiting a children's minister Um, at the church I currently serve. uh, We, we have Virginia, who's got a master's and a doctorate in education. Mm -hmm. And then we have another children's minister that has no formal education whatsoever. So, and she was groomed from within the church. And Mm -hmm. she is absolutely wonderful, has years of experience. Now I hired her over 10 years ago. And so It's a wonderful balance. So you take someone from within the ministry and then someone without uh, that maybe has the education like this principal did and had the skill set. And so there's you can find them in both places from within the ministry and from outside your specific children's ministry. So that's one of the things I've always tried to keep in mind when I'm looking for those key leaders.
0: What are some of the traits that you're looking for when you are looking for that key leader position? You, you talked about a few little things there, but what are some of the specific things that you're sure. really looking for?
2: Well, besides the personality type and their passion, you know, traits I'm looking for is I, I you know, I'm looking for someone, I, you know, I, I am a Marine and uh, the word courage comes to mind. Um, you've, I've got to have someone that's a leader that has courage to where they can, they know to do the right thing. And so they're not afraid of, of conflict if they need to be also looking for commitment. Is this person committed uh, to the ministry of the local church? Um, are they involved and try to make sure they're not overcommitted, but th- mm-hmm. that they can focus. So get someone that has courage that has commitment and someone that has good people skills. Um, right. You know, yes, you need administrators, but you don't want an administrator that's going to be so rough with people. that's going to run people off. So you got to have somebody with that commitment level uh, that courage, and, you know, a little compassion, a little bit of people skills as well. So that's very important. And I'm looking for that sometimes more so than I am talent, you know, uh, talent is always important, but, um, if I could find someone that's committed and that's compassionate and has a little courage to do the right thing, I, I we can go a long way. And so that that's some of the things I'm looking for besides their passion and besides their personality type, because I try to match People's personality. I don't want to create a personality conflict, which is real easy to do mm-hmm. with administrative leaders. You don't want them, um, you know, knocking heads with each other. You want them to be able to complement each other.
1: And you know, one this is one tip that you've given me in the past, and that you kind of mentioned. So, um, you know, like you said, you recruited a principal, and um, one of the things that you've told me is looking at what they do vocationally. Now, there are lots of people who maybe do all kinds of things vocationally and would still be good in leadership. But a lot of times that's a good key that you've mentioned in the past, like looking at what people do vocationally. And if they're a leader in their work throughout the week, then they probably had a lot of skill development that we can also apply in the church setting.
2: Yeah, like that leader we talked about, that children's leader that became a Sunday school director. He, I found out he was in a supervisory role with a company and, um, for years and he had just retired. But yes, uh, vocationally understanding their background can be very important. Um, But one of the things I also have learned is, you know, you've got the spiritual gift of teaching. Um, You don't. Everybody that teaches doesn't have to have the spiritual gift of teaching. Everybody that works in administration doesn't necessarily have to have the spiritual gift. They may have other talents and passions and background to where they can do um, other things that where they're not spiritually gifted. If, If you can get them spiritually gifted in that area, that's always great. But um, finding people with their background, for example, a, uh, I'm a school teacher, so I would make a great teacher wrong, not always the right answer. Um, being a school teacher uh, in a public school or even a Christian or private school is a lot different than being a, a preschool or children's yeah. Sunday school teacher. So there are some skill sets that are transferable, but there's some that can be very, very negative. And one of them is, well, I can manage a classroom of 35 kids. Well, yeah, you're expected to do that in a public school, but that's the furthest thing we want in a children's ministry. We, you know, we got 35 people in there. We want five or six adults in there at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so um, understanding their background, their vocation is, is very important. And so I, I do look at that a lot. And a lot of people work in very administrative areas. They have IT experience mm-hmm. um, and they work in administrative areas. So when you're looking for directors and those type leaders, I look with people, those IT skills they have those director background or some type mm-hmm. of supervision. They're not, you know, a, deli- a delivery person that did very successful for years, but they just, they were very customer service oriented, but they didn't manage people at all. All they mm-hmm. had to do was manage their schedule. And sometimes those people can be closet leaders, but I've historically mm-hmm. found that if they haven't done that for 30 or 40 years, delivering stuff or sales, you know, sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes it does. So I try to, I do try to look at that area and, and try to know as much about the person as possible mm-hmm. before I sit down and meet with them. Mm-hmm. And then when I do meet with them, I think uh, Dr. Virginia mentioned this too. I, I do have several options for them. I try not to put around, um, a round circle in a square hole. I mm-hmm. try to say, okay, here's, I, I usually try to use the, the number three, you know, a good preacher has three points. And so I try to come <laughs> in there with three different options and sometimes it may be a, a preschool position or children's position or adult position, or I may know they've already told someone that they want to work with children. So I may give them an Awana opportunity, a missions opportunity and a Sunday school opportunity. And some may be leadership, some be teaching. So I try to give them the opportunity to choose instead of trying to corner them in a spot that they may not be happy with. Right. And if you get them in a spot to where they want to join, and sometimes they may want to do something that you don't have a spot for make a spot for them. Right. Get them yeah. plugged into their giftedness, their passion, and then just trust God for the, for the right. open gaps. And yeah. uh, don't put someone somewhere just because you have a hole, you're better off going without. I have learned that. Um, yeah, that's yeah. just been a, a something I've learned through the years. I'd rather go without. Sometimes I've waited a year before I found a Sunday school director because I wanted to find the right person. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Right. Well, and we, we talked about that once before. I think uh, Virginia and I have about, if if you're going to force somebody to feel like they have to do something that they don't feel comfortable with, or that they don't feel that they can do, then everyone around them are going to be miserable, just as miserable yeah. as they are. So I think it's, it's, it's making sure you're not forcing something to happen. That's not meant to happen. Yeah,
2: Absolutely. I may, I may tolerate it a little bit in the preschool extended session, but in most other places <laughs> I might not tolerate it, but uh, I generally have an expectation that they, they will serve. And so, trying to find them the right leader to work with them Uh, because oftentimes you'll have more than one leader in there. So those that are a little cranky or not as excited about serving with the two year olds get someone that has a lot of great joy and leadership Mm -hmm. and let them let their enthusiasm become contagious. So I put those Mm -hmm. folks that are a little more hesitant and cautious. I try Mm -hmm. to match them up with someone that can be a strong mentor Mm -hmm. indirectly through their encouragement, their smile, uh, their ability to work with little ones.
0: Yeah, that's always been one of my challenges, because if I have teachers that have worked together for a very long time and they're both super strong and they've just gotten very comfortable working together, I really try to encourage them to let me split them up with new leaders so that they can encourage. But a lot of times they don't want to give up a comfortable partner. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well that's where courage comes in. Yeah, you got to <laughs> sometimes you have to have the courage to make the tough decisions and and sometimes they can go south. And so you have to be very discerning. You have to commit it to prayer and say, "Okay, is this a couple that we need to split?" And I've I've seen that, I've experienced that as well toward, "Hey, I need you to I need y'all to split up because I need I've I've done it with upward football, for example, with children's upward football. Hey, I, I know you guys love working together. I need y'all to mentor these other younger men, these right. dads and um And so sometimes I've been successful, sometimes I've not. But uh, I certainly try to, and that's a great point. And that's tough, and we're not always successful, but at least have the courage to try and uh, try to take a soft approach and uh, see if they'll bite. If not, just back up and say, okay, we'll be okay.
1: (laughs) Well, I want to launch into um, a question that's sort of the million-dollar question. So (laughs) let's say we've recruited our key leaders. We've got it figured out who's got the skill set. How do you know what to delegate to your key leaders, to your Sunday school director or your Awana director, whoever it is?
2: Well, I'm, uh, I'm a, I'll say this with humility, and I, it's because people call me this, but I'm a master delegator. Um, so I, I love to delegate, but I also am careful, very careful, and very strategic at what I delegate and what I don't delegate. Um, so some things um, I delegate. When I know they have the personality, the giftedness, and the experience to handle it. And, uh, you know, one of the many things I learned in the Marine Corps and from Marine Corps experiences, one of the most important leadership traits or leadership principles is the word supervision. So when you delegate, you've got to, uh, Virginia knows I, I have a master Outlook calendar, master Outlook taskbar. And so when I delegate things, I put them on my calendar, I put them on my task bar and I'm following back up with it, but you have to discern slowly, um, start off slow and see, you know, what that person can do, whether it's, um, let's see if they can handle this schedule. Let's see if they can handle, um, making sure the background checks get done and maybe the background checks are not coming in as frequently as you like. So sit down and meet with that person and talk with them and, you know, um, Virginia knows I expect, you know, three to five new workers recruited a month. And when you have a nursery of 60 to 100 folks, which is historically where we've served, you've right. got to you've got to be recruiting three, four or five a month. And so I'm getting those background checks. And if I don't see three, four or five background checks, I'm going, uh, Dr. Virginia, where's <laughs> yes. from background checks or <laughs> Miss so-and-so. I need to have these background checks coming in. And then right. after a while, when I see that they've got the knack of it. I'm not worried about it as much. And so yeah. it, you have to pick and choose. It's not the same for everybody. You've got to look at that person's skill set, their administrative background, uh, their experience, their confidence level. And uh, you just have to delegate slowly. And so, the, and then, so I try not to delegate too much. Um, I don't consider myself a micromanager, but I very much know how to do it um, if I have to. If mm-hmm. someone's not able to take and run with delegated authority then I'd micromanage them until I get them to the point where they can get up and run and walk on their own. So I try to use the crawl, rock, run theory, you know, give them something small. And as they begin to crawl with it, give them something to walk with. And then before you know it, they're running. And um, so, and then once you get them running, you're able to what spend more time with other leaders. Uh, the more you can delegate successfully and the more you can empower your leaders, the more you can get done. Um, right. that's one of the things I've learned. You cannot be in a thriving, growing mm-hmm. children's ministry or anything, uh, that you're trying to grow and reach more people. If you cannot delegate successfully and right. you got to find the folks that can follow. And then eventually they learn to delegate what you're delegating. And so that duplication, that discipleship process begins to take place. But yeah, it's, um, it's tricky. You've got to um, some people are just real good at certain things and some people are not. And that includes myself, you know. So yeah, I know the things that I'm not as strong at um, as an administrator, as an educator. And so, you know what I do? I, I delegate some of those things out. Uh, so also, I've learned to delegate things that are not my strengths as well to people with uh, that have strengths different than me. And so I'm not a I'm not afraid of that. I'm, I'm pretty secure in my person. Uh, thankfully for the, the home I grew up in, my relationship with Christ and uh, just the life experiences I have. But I know where I'm not, I know where I'm not strong. And so I learned to delegate in some of those areas as well.
0: Yeah, I have to realize we we can't do it all, can we? we you know, right. we, no. we've all been given oh, gifts man. and strengths and abilities and we are meant to work together with people. and And that's part of how we were created. But it's hard to admit sometimes when you
1: don't think you do something very well.
2: Absolutely.
1: So let's talk about holding key leaders accountable. Um, Sometimes I hear people say, oh, well, they're volunteers. So it's like we kind of have to just take what we can get and we can't really hold them accountable in meaningful ways because they're not like employees. Um, But how do we hold our key leaders accountable?
2: Wow, that is that is a tough part of ministry. And that's where that other C word we talked about earlier comes into play is courage. And so uh, we have to hold them accountable and you sometimes you can let things slide for a while, but eventually you're going to have to hold them accountable and you're going to have to, you know, confront in a gracious, godly way and say, Hey, um, you know, the roster was due to me three days ago. It's late. Are you having problems with it? Is there something I can do to help you? I need this roster turned into either myself or this education secretary or this receptionist. And I know it's not here. And so uh, what's going on? How can I help you? And so, Um, holding them accountable is the harder part. You walk Mm -hmm. into a classroom and you, and you see the, the two teachers are over there sitting there talking and the third one's over there on the phone. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of got to walk out and you got to regroup and come back in and say, um, you know, pull the leader aside and say, Hey, we need to make sure we're engaged with the children. And so you can't allow, if you allow that behavior to go, Mm -hmm. then all you're going to do is complicate your life as a leader. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you have to confront it. You have to have courage. But you got to have some grace, and so um, that is that is a tough area. But I, I'm a firm believer. As Virginia knows, uh, you've got to confront those areas because if you don't, um, you're just going to create more problems for yourself. And so, the longer you let it linger, um, the worse of a problem it's going to become because you're enabling that behavior, um, and you're enabling that you know poor leadership skills. So you, if you see something you're not happy with, you definitely have to confront it, and you have to hold them accountable and. You know, I, I believe in the old um, the old adage, which is not very common. You, you can fire volunteers. Um, so you yeah. you can. You've got to find ways to do that and you can do it graciously. Uh, right. First of all, I always try to reassign them. Um, if mm-hmm. I can reassign them, say, mm-hmm. hey, I've got a greater need in this area. And so that's my first tactic always is mm-hmm. to try to find another place of ministry that they can serve. And so that way, you don't. Know, that way they don't feel like they were, quote, fired. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just, I've, I've had to do it, uh, you know, with youth leaders one time and just say, Hey, this is, this is not your husband's strength. He's in there because you're in there and I need a couple that's both engaged. And, um, well, i just, I'm trying to be supportive of my wife and dah, da So I I appreciate that, but you're obviously not comfortable in there. We need to find another place for y'all to serve. And Mm so, um, you just have to confront it. If not, you know, it continues to go and people talk, there's the chatter going on. And so um, that is the toughest area. Um, And uh, I have found great success. If you can laterally transition them to another place Mm -hmm. of ministry, or you can replace them, you're going to reduce your problem. But as long as you enable, as long as you Mm -hmm. enable the behavior, um, it's just like with your children at home, as long Mm -hmm. as you enable it, you're going to continue to have the same problems. And so, And you're going to continue to stagnate as a ministry. If you want a growing, vibrant ministry, you need to be making changes and you need to be making challenges. You need to be hiring new leaders and you need to be rotating them around. And um, you it's so easy to get dormant and complacent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've got to be proactive and in, in whether it's children or youth, and we need to be uh, proactive in all areas of ministry. And if not, you get complacent. Next thing you know, you're. You know, the old saying, if you're, if you're, if you're stagnant, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just cruising along, mm-hmm. you're really not growing. You're just, you're, you're declining. Right. Um, if so you've got right. to be moving forward. If not, you're moving backwards. There's no such mm-hmm. thing as being idle. Whenever you get idle in ministries, whether it's children's ministry, preschool ministry, you know, any type of ministry, whenever you're idle, uh, it's not good. You, you need right. to be getting new leaders, new adult leaders. And uh, new directors and change change the format. And uh, I'm a strong proponent of that. Um, don't keep everybody there. And even someone that can be there for a long time, they could be ever changing. They can be challenged. Right. And if you got leaders like that, keep them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you need to throw out everybody. That, you know, right. you, you need to, you, the, those that are committed and strong mm-hmm. and are fruitful and they're discipling other leaders, keep those folks. But Having rotation of people, especially with preschool and children's ministry, you've got that 10 or 20 percent. They just love it and do it for 40, 50, 60 years. I've been in churches where they've done it in their 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. Right, and, they're wonder- right. and they're wonderful at it. Great. So, yeah. So try to get them other women in there, other couples that they can mentor. And um, but, yeah, don't if they're effective, no need to make a change. But if they're not right. effective, you got to have the courage to confront it.
0: I think it's human nature that we want to put off difficult conversations and and we always hope that things are going to get better, but it's been my experience that things tend to just get worse. Mm -hmm. And also if you wait too long to have those conversations, instead of being able to proactively help someone to do better, we tend to get them so frustrated that they want to leave without even changing to another possibility or or working on what their issue might be right. because they get, because it's gone on for so long. Now they're frustrated. Right. They just want to walk away.
1: They're like, from their perspective, they're like, why is this all of a sudden an issue? Right. Yeah. Right. And so I, you know, I'm good. a type
2: I'm, I'm quick to run to the fire with the hose and, and put the fire out. And so I try to surround myself with other leaders that are maybe more slow to respond mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. use that balance to where I'm not always trying to make decisions by myself. I'm working with a preschool minister mm-hmm. or children's minister or a preschool, Sunday school leader or someone like that. And I'm asking them, what do you, what do you think we need to do? We've got an issue here with this couple. Uh, How long do we let it go? And well, I think pastor Ray, I think we need to address it, but I don't want to address it, (laughs) you know? And so, uh, or I say, I think we need to run to it. And then Virginia says, I think we need to wait a little bit. And so you have to be willing to listen and you've got to understand your style. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am, I am generally not afraid of conflict and confrontation. Do I like having to do it? Absolutely not. Right. But if it has to be done, um, Virginia knows I will. I will do it, um, and um, much more quickly than most. Your average, your average minister, I would say, and not in a, a boastful way, but probably not in a great way. But I'm I'm more willing to run to conflict and resolve it, and that's why I end up doing a lot of what I do in churches because. I'm the type of person that's willing to do that. Um, right. but I do it with prayer and try to be soft. i'm I'm softer today than I was thirty years ago. I hope I'm softer today <laughs> than I was yesterday. Um, but you know you have to you have to confront it and it's not it's not always easy.
1: No. What are some simple tips for hard conversations you know with anyone or with key leaders?,
2: yeah, the first is prayer. Um, Amen, right, bring them in say, I love you. I appreciate you guys. You guys are doing a wonderful job with the two-year-olds and uh, we're so thankful for y'all. And I just want to open this up with a word of prayer and pray with them and Mm -hmm. ask them, hey, how's things at home? How's things with the job? Um, How's things, you know, with the the ball team you're coaching? So try to draw a relationship with them instead of cutting into the chase pretty quickly. And so Mm -hmm. they they need, you know, the old saying, they don't know how much you Uh, they need to know that you care and if they know you care and you love them, um, they're they're more likely to listen and follow. So I try to draw that type connection. If I don't have it already, sometimes I have it already. And I say, Hey, I can, I can cut to the chase a little quicker with this person because he knows I love him. He knows what I want. He knows my style. Uh, But that's what I try to do is, um, try to have that, you know, have that word of prayer with them, Mm -hmm. pray with them, tell them you want what's best for the ministry Hey, the best thing for the ministry right now is I, I need y'all working in the adult department and y'all have mm-hmm. served in two year olds for two years. I appreciate that. And you don't even have to always address the exact problem. If you can transition them out of there, mm-hmm. you could say, we just want you to, uh, we, we need you over here in the adult department. And would y'all consider that? And so, um, tell them what the need is. And once again, have two or three options for them, um, mm-hmm. if you can. And, um, and so you. When you have those tough conversations, you got to you got to bathe it in prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. Be willing to put the foot on the brake for people like me uh, to slow down and really think through the process, and uh, just demonstrate my love and care for them, and uh, realize that they're gifted and they're capable to serve in so many different ways. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, you'd have told me you know, 40 years ago that I would be a minister of the gospel, I would have said, you're crazy, (laughs) you know, but uh, you have to be coached along. You have to be encouraged. You have to allow the Holy spirit to work in your life. And you've got to uh, embrace that with folks you talk to. And so I, I found that very important. Um, Unfortunately, I've had to fire people in, in, in military and um, universities and, Uh, and within the local church and done a whole lot of it in little league sports uh, coaching that through the years, say, mom, I appreciate you doing this. I need to have someone else do this. Um, You seem to be a little stressed and this, you seem to be a little frustrated getting the snack schedule. So I'm just so-and-so has agreed to take this snack schedule and um, you, you enjoy watching the game and I, and I'll let you know if I need some help in other areas. And so, because if not, she's just creating a cancer cell disruption amongst the team and, Teamwork is so important in everything you do, uh, whether it's with the staff, whether it's within your children's ministry or preschool ministry, you got to create a sense of team amongst the people. They, they know who the teaching in the four-year-olds next to them. And they're three-year-olds and they know who's in a two-year-old room next to them. And they've got to communicate and share resources. And you've got to promote that and you've got to encourage that. And if you can encourage a team uh, to work together, um, you got less problems with conflict, less problems with uh, having those hard conversations.
0: I love the way that you, you talked about that starting with prayer and, and being encouraging and starting with that positive conversation and relationship, because one relationship is what it's all about, right? We Absolutely. we want to have a relationship with people, and we want to reach people in that way because it's so easy when we have these hard conversations that we want to just jump in because we want to get just it get over, over with. with. Yeah.
1: And so,
0: but one of the things that I learned from doing evaluations with teachers in a school setting was that I always tried to to do give them two positives before I had to hit that negative area of sure. improvement, so yes. that they knew that I was seeing them as a whole person that I was seeing the good things that they were doing and I saw some things that needed improvement and so it's it's starting off with that relationship that I think is so important
2: yes Virginia and I both had a guy named Dr. Ken Coley and he he would emphasize that but yeah he would always talk about you know find find the positives find something good to say before you give that negative absolutely oh, yeah. yeah, love good Dr. Advice. Coley yeah he's he's a treat
1: he is so what can we, as people who lead ministries, do to develop ourselves as leaders? What are things yeah. that we can do to become better leaders?
2: Well, um, one, read uh, books on leadership. Um, you know, I read about leadership. Um, get on um, email lists that, where they talk about leadership, where they talk about um, type character traits you need. Um, find, a, find a mentor and then find a mentee. So I've got, and I, and I've got um, lateral guys uh, that are in ministry that I consider lateral. Some of them consider me more of a mentor, but I consider them laterals. Where I I just call and talk to them. I've, I have lived all over the world with my life experiences. I've, um, I've got friends from seminary that are missionaries that I went to seminary with 25, 30 years ago. I got folks that I went through the doctoral program that are principals and I, I still communicate to those people. I've got Marine Corps friends that were strong Christians. I got missionaries when I lived in Japan. I called one the other night, 80 some years old, still pastoring a church. And so try to find those folks that, that you look up to and, uh, and then also people that you can feed into. Uh, so, uh, you know, it took me a long while to where I had the confidence to where I could reach down to someone. And next thing you know, they're, they're following you naturally and um, and you just got to be an encouragement to them. Uh, but, you know, re- read, um, follow follow uh, blogs and different websites and emails, and then have that relationship with people um, up and down. You need to have a sense of accountability. So mm-hmm. I've, I've called Dr. Coley on dozens of occasions with ministry quandaries and asked for his advice. I've called other professors, Dr. Greg Lawson. i I have uh, colleagues that I speak to regularly that are other executive pastors that I speak to almost weekly. Hey, how are you doing today? Man, I've had a bad day. You know, I've got this, this, and, that. and you, there's someone outside your ministry mm-hmm. setting that you can vent with and that you can ask for tips. Hey, we're doing this. And I'm really, I'm really um, conflicted of how to respond to this. And so being able to have those relationships with people mm-hmm. that you meet along life's narrow way is so important. Um, I tell uh, the staff that I work with every time I get in the vehicle, I have a list um, from my Outlook calendar of people to call. And when I get in a car, whether I'm going three miles or 30 miles, I always have three people to reach out to. So I'm either reaching out evangelistically, or I'm reaching out to a mentor, or I'm reaching out to someone. And so I'm very, so I use my task driven personality, my delegation driven personality, and make notes to be more relational. Because relationships don't come as natural right. for me. I, I it is. People say, "Well, you're good with people." I've it's it's learned. It, it's right. not overly natural right. for me. My natural tendency is I'm task driven, delegate, right. conquer, get it done. But yeah. I've learned you have to develop those relationships, mm-hmm. and so um, I use that task driven personality of mine to use it to reach people. But there's <laughs> ways you can develop relationships, and you can develop. Uh, ways to create um, community you can create relationships and so um, hopefully that helps Um, and it's just um, you got to be in community with other folks Uh, got to be in community relationship with Christ with the local church and then you got to have those mentors and um, I just can't emphasize that enough you can't live on an island Mm. You can't live on an island as an Einstein and you can't live on the island as a relational person. You've got to have relationships right. with mm. people and you've got to trust and listen to their wisdom and experience. And I have found mm. that tremendously invaluable to me and people pour into me that are different than me. And uh, that is, that is so important.
0: I appreciate that reminder because so many times we think when we see people that are really good at, at building relationships or really good at, at something specific and they'll think, oh, it just comes naturally. And it's not, it's, it's all of these things are things that you really have to plan and prepare for. You have to take that time for That's preparation. Right. And so it's, it's really important to, to do that. And so I appreciate that reminder of, of, you know, making those notes and reminding ourselves, these are the okay. things that are important. We need to find a way to fit them into our day.
2: Yeah, I've got I keep a calendar with people every day with relationships. And every week I'm developing a visitation list for people in the hospitals, rest homes, home visits for senior adults. But I'm also got time for staffing and other things that will come natural for me. If I sit right. at a desk all day, I will do tasks all day. Yeah. But if I don't have my list over there, it says you need to make some hospital visits. You, this This is the day of the week I do hospital visits. This is the day I try to reach out. And so I have to be intentional with that. And we don't need to forget in all the leadership and all the courage and having the tough conversations and recruiting directors, it's all about ministry. It's all about leading children to Christ and having Christ-centered people serve in our ministry. And so I have to remind myself of that daily. And uh, I just consider it a great joy to serve full-time in ministry. And um, it has just been one of the greatest blessings of my life and uh, to be able to have the ability in the in the um i guess the the lanes to be able to do ministry and be called a pastor or be called a friend and to be able to minister to others and to lead them this world is uh, we got to remind us as we leave today that that we're just passing through our citizenship is in heaven and we just we're passing through and why are we passing through to be vessels for our lord and savior jesus christ and so we need to allow the holy spirit to work through us and every day whether it's um Whatever we're doing, whether it's taking our car to the dealership, whether it's uh, filling up with gas at the gas station or getting groceries at the grocery store, we need to remember we're ambassadors for Christ, Uh, not just ministers, but we're ambassadors for Christ wherever We we go, not just as vocational ministers.
0: Well, Pastor Ray, thank you so very much for joining us today. We were so excited that you were able to take some time to have this conversation with us and just to share your wisdom and mm-hmm. to share just things that we really, its its they're the things that are so hard for us to learn how to do um, just naturally. We really do need that experience and that leadership to help us to be able to be stronger in delegation and in leadership. And so thank you so much for taking time with us today.
2: Well, it has been a joy and I appreciate you two ladies having this platform and I look forward to watching it grow and get other guest speakers on and uh, for me to learn as well. And uh, also to be reminded. So appreciate y'all and your your leadership in this format.
0: Well, friends, we're just so excited that you joined us for this conversation today. And we just want to remind you to hit subscribe. We're getting really close to those hundred that we need for our subscription and so we are we are working hard we are still learning and we're still growing but we're getting there and so we just appreciate that you're coming along for the journey